0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Spiritual Rebels and Misfits podcast. We are really excited that you're here to get weird with us.
1: <laughs> and we're gonna have all kinds of, you know, absurd ideas playing around with magnificent guests and we're just gonna go the places you always wanted to go, but you know, couldn't tell mom and dad how you felt about aliens, about channeling, you couldn't say fuck.
0: I'm Ashley Bradley. I am a mom, I am an intuitive business coach, I'm a business psychic and a channel
1: i am james lester i am an open homosexual i'm a speaker a writer i am a member of the recovery community and i am a queer activist
0: and after you listen today we would love it if you would follow us in one of the podcast places spotify apple just to name a few subscribe leave us a review it helps new people find what we've created and we thank you for listening let's do this hi everybody <laughs> hello everybody <laughs> uh james is always making commentary on my um narration of the intro so
1: well i was pointing out to ashley how it sounds like she just made love to us at the end of it <laughs> She's like, and afterwards if you could just leave a comment like girl calm down you're all getting all zesty <laughs> <laughs> this kind of mm. awkward mm-hmm. we're in the same room together for podcast so
0: I love it. I do too. This is like, was our plan all along and we've only had, this is like our third mm-hmm. episode where we've actually gotten to be like next to each other mm-hmm. in real life. Um, is there anything? Oh, we should remind people about the cacao thing before we like dive into all of this. Um, for anybody that is enjoying cacao ceremony with us after the episode, we're doing that at six Pacific. We wanted to give you a reminder to make your cacao, prepare your cacao ahead of time. And then Solange has a link if you guys do want to join us for that. With your beverage of choice, I mean, it's all intention. So you can just like bring some green tea or some water, whatever works for you. And
1: don't forget to get naked.
0: Join us for the cacao ceremony. So (laughs) Solange will drop that. Um, Other than that, is there anything else like about the last week before we dive into this topic that feels juicy or fun.
1: No, I'm just really, I kind of want to talk about doing this topic because this has been like on our vision board for the podcast from like the very get and I am so excited for the people we have joining us today to talk about this. Uh, Just my own personal truth, like I, I, I wrote about this earlier today, like I have always loved my trans brothers and sisters. Um, but until these last couple of years, I have to admit, I, I was very ignorant towards the actual soul and journey of the trans community. And it's people like uh, Adrian and Kristen that are coming on today that really have educated me and opened up my eyes and my hearts. And I hope that anyone that is listening or, or watching today, um, you know, feel free to ask questions, but mm-hmm. we do ask that you keep it respectful you know, these are two people that are, are putting it all out there. They're going to answer any questions that you have to keep it respectful. But, you know, ask questions. You know, I was so afraid to say something wrong as I tried to understand the trans journey and, and really embrace, you know, my trans brothers and sisters. I was afraid of saying something wrong. And I'm so thankful that we had people that like are like, bring it on. Let's get honest with one another. And that's the whole point of the roundtable. So I'm just super excited we're doing this today. And we, you know, again, have amazing people joining us.
0: Totally. Yeah. I think that was one of the things that Kristen was saying was like, she's like, once people get comfortable enough or get brave enough, these are the questions that people usually ask. But I do think um, it is interesting because we both have close friends of ours that are transgender. And so we've been lucky enough to have those close relationships where it didn't feel completely out of the blue to ask someone something of a personal nature (laughs) without that relationship with them. And so I think in some ways people are trying to respect like um, you know, boundaries and the relationship that they have with that person or not asking them something personal if they don't know them. But at the same time, I think that we are wanting to create like a world of like, understanding and like walking in one another's shoes. So I do think that hearing the stories of different individuals is really powerful.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the same as, you know, getting to know someone of a different culture or a different sexuality, like, you know, if you're doing it with all intensive purposes of loving other people and understanding people's life journeys, like bring it on. Yeah, but I think we get afraid that we're going to offend. And if you come with an ugly heart, I think it's pretty apparent right away. But, you know, again, these are two beautiful souls. And I'm just really excited to hear more from them and to hear their truths. Uh, the trans community has really, really just blown me away with their their strength and courage, especially these last few years when there's been a tremendous, a lot, a lot of violence and, and murder in the trans community. And I think that I just want to say that it's it's horrendous and it shouldn't be ignored We have to take, you know, the the murder that goes in the trans community very serious because it's almost an epidemic. You know, Mm -hmm. trans women are being murdered all the freaking time. And it's, you know, we got to stand up for our brothers and sisters.
0: Yeah, And I do think that the more that we can have open conversations about things, the more that it normalizes it. Because even though my kids are still, I don't feel like Jude is yet there, like at fourth, like to understand concepts beyond, you know, like what's going on and fire trucks, you know, but I'm like so (laughs) grateful that like that Jude has like a trans uncle now, you know, with, um with one of our close friends, who's actually my, my sister's boyfriend. So it's like, I'm like, so grateful that I'm like, yes, like Jude is going to grow up with so much diversity. And I just love that, like, for him, this is like completely normal, that he's never going to have to know, um, like a world without these things. And it's just like, yeah, this is just, you know, all the different kinds of people that are in the world. And Um, I I think I tend to be really protective over this topic and I I find it like even coming up like we had a conversation about like family members making commentary about me letting my son have toenail polish on Mm -hmm. and the conversations that go down where like I can feel (laughs) that protective nature like coming in to defend like you know my choices and it's like and it's just fucking nail polish and um, but I just really have I try to stay in that place of compassion of other generations, not understanding this with my mother-in-law in in this situation, but at the same time, like really express like how important it is for like us to like love, you know, our children to support our children and to let them know that no matter what choice they make, that they are completely loved and to love other people in that way. And um, yeah, there's definitely some, some of me also trying to learn how do I, how do I come from that place of love and protection for the people that I love and care about, but also like remain in that place where I don't get attacky tacky and judgmental of her for, for being conditioned to think that. So there's some growth there for me to it, be honest, it, but
1: it's a hard line to walk sometimes, but I, I have the utmost respect for, People in the trans community because they, they, you know, they're willing to have these these difficult conversations, and I really believe the trans. My personal viewpoint is source energy, God, whatever you want to call it. Trans transgender community really shows you that like if you have courage to live your truth, you can live in abundance and happiness. And I see that so clearly in the trans community when they live their truth, like it is just amazing. It blows me away, and I'm just I'm so privileged to have. Transient individuals in my life so just my brothers and sisters man they're not like you know they used to be this or that they're my brothers and my sisters and that is it and i hope we can get to that point just in society in general
0: do you have any specific intention for the the conversation or anything that you want to set the tone for our conversation today i
1: just want to fucking listen i just want to be further educated and listen and just love on these two amazing people you
0: Yeah, I think like, I was watching transhood uh, a few weeks ago. And I just like, love watching the story specifically with the parents. And like, I think like with Kristen, I think that there's people that don't understand the journey of um, a transgender child and the the parents um, role and just like supporting them and loving them. And I think that it's, it's going to be really cool. I think for people to hear Kristen's story, not, I feel like Adrian's story, your story is amazing as well, but I really do hope that, um, you know, parents out there and people that may have any wonderings or inklings of like what that is like as a, a parent or how you might support other relatives. I just really want them to like hear Kristen's mm. story and journey and perspective. Yeah, Definitely. So we do want to ask that you guys bring your questions. Like, let us know if you're here or watching. Um, I really do um, know that both of the guests are super open to answering questions. And that's why they raise their hands. And they're just like, sure, like, ask away. So this is like a really good container (laughs) and space if you're curious to ask. And we'll be pulling in questions. And if not, then we're just going to ask the things that they've shared with us or common questions that people Ask them or want to know about their journey. I do want each of them to introduce themselves. If it's okay with both of you, I know we usually aim for like 15 minutes in to pull both of you in. Are both of you cool with us just like bringing you in? Adrian, you're good. Okay. So I'm going to bring in Adrian and Kristen and just to kick things off. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, I would really love for each of you to just give brief. You know introductions to who you are and your background or connection to this topic so that they can hear it from you instead of through our filter.
2: Adrian go so ahead Adrian. Absolutely.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yes. So um uh my name is Adrian. Um I was assigned female at birth. I am almost 40 years old. Um I Began, uh, came out as transgender at 32, um, at which point I also began a physical transition. Um, and I think we'll get into kind of the uh, history of uh, the journey, what it took to get there and the dark places that uh, mm. having that experience has brought on and what it could have been different to be raised uh, in a more affirming society. But um, yeah, that's, that's who I am.
0: Thanks, Adrienne. Oh, I guess
3: a big, big important thing, too, is um, I'm also I'm also a dad. Um, That's a big part of my identity. So.
2: Awesome. Well, hi, I'm Kristen. I am a life coach by night and a digital strategist by day. And I have nine year old twins. Both of them were assigned male at birth. And when my daughter was two, she told us, Mama, I a boy on the outside, but I have a girl on the inside. Mm-hmm. And it took us a couple of years to figure out what that meant. But <laughs> once we got the hang of things, we realized that we were raising a transgender child. And she's now in third grade, and her name was legally changed this week. So we had our yes. little celebration. And I am super, super excited to be here with you guys.
1: Oh, I love
2: it. I want to ask
0: the both of you like are there certain intentions or things that you want to set for this conversation?
3: Um the I think I want to bring just awareness, um empathy, hmm. um compassion, um and love to to this um to to share within the the community. Um, so if you if you do have questions, I I really am a person who has chosen to be uh, that open book um, that people can be a sounding board off of because I do know that there's questions, but I also do know that there's a lot of individuals that um, don't need to answer to anybody or anything about their experience. Um, so if you if you do have it, I'm opening that up to bring your questions. There is no stupid question or really any any anything that may cross your mind. Mm. Ms.
2: Awesome. Yeah, well, I'm really excited to hear from Adrian. Um, so I'm super, super happy we're doing this together. And yeah, I really just wanna, um, you know, be a space where folks can ask the things that maybe they're afraid to ask or the things that they've been wondering. Like it's, you know, like James said in the beginning, like if you're asking with love in your heart from a place of like understanding, like any question is okay. And it's you know, this is the way we learn. We only learn if we ask and if we actually listen to the people who are having these experiences. So this is like the best place to do it. I think my enthusiastic dog just decided to join us.
1: <laughs> I
0: love it. We have a lot of animals make their way. There was a yeah, pair weeks ago. So amazing. Um Adrian, I'm curious. So 32, like there was like a lot of life that you were living, like in a shell that didn't feel like it belonged to you. I guess I'm just curious, like what you think might've been different for you of like really finding, um, you know, a body that felt like it fit, um, you at 32 and what happened maybe before that.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously there needs to be uh, a preface here. If, um, As far back as I can remember, I can remember being as early as four years old and um, I physically identifying with masculinity, masculinity traits, feeling, I I, I also, uh, I think there was a lot of shame in me being able to just go to somebody and saying, I want to be a boy um, or I was a boy. But I do know that every shooting star I ever saw, every birthday candle I ever blew out from the time I was four until puberty hit, it was that I would wake up and be a boy um, So that and that like I said was as early as four years old. Um, I think you know I was I was raised in an upper middle class family that was very supportive um, of, me going through adolescence and the things that I wanted to experience and do. Um, but then again, this was the eighties and nineties where I had never even heard the word transgender. Um, you know, uh, I do remember seeing, um, people like RuPaul and commentary family members saying, you know, who is that freak? And although P- RuPaul doesn't, it ident- doesn't identify, she's, she's a, she's a drag queen. That was mm-hmm. the closest thing that I could experience to somebody not identifying and internally um, I felt shame, immediate shame that there was something wrong with me and society was telling me that because I was feeling these things internally, I was in my, I, I was uh, absorbing all of that, that there was something inherently wrong with me and, um, so i proceeded to uh really struggle with that and um started cutting myself and tried to kill myself at age 11. and i think this is something that we need to have so much awareness on um when being wanting to be an affirming person um the the rates of suicide among the lgbt community and trans and non-gender conforming individuals are so high because there 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 is not a you know there hasn't been a a safe space to go to this hasn't been normalized so much in in western culture Mm -hmm. in my experience and um by no fault of my parents we we just they didn't they didn't know you know when I was um going into my teens my my mother came to me and she's like hey are you, are you gay? Do you like girls? Cause it's okay if you do. And although sexuality was a, com- it's a completely different component than, you know, gender and gender expression. Um, even though there was that safe space, I had already been placed in, 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 you know, in a bubble of, of, of guilt and shame and wrongness. Um, so, you know, the cutting proceeded all the, all the way into my 20s um along with uh you know alcoholism and addiction um and that's and that's the path that you know I took and fell into because I was on a uh one-way track to to suicide because I was never I never saw an out into being authentically me mm. and um it just didn't life didn't seem worth living if I couldn't be authentic and half can I say? Can I say ass? <laughs>
1: ass <Half-assing>. scene. <laughs> oh, like, we oh, you, to, like you that. gotta fucking watch some more podcasts, right? <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Buddy. Okay,
3: this is good. But yeah, no, I mean, life just didn't seem worth living if, if it was gonna be you know bits and pieces of me. I wanted to wholly like be be me completely, wholly, wholeheartedly. Um, and so at thirty two, um. I began to be more exposed with people who had lived in Seattle, a very progressive city, and uh they would bring up you know that they had friends who were transgender and transitioning and physically transitioning, and I was like, I was listening my i you know my curiosity was picked, and when I started hearing their experiences, I was that's me, oh my gosh there there this is a possibility, you know all those dreams and I and you know it's like. Of the time that i was four years old and and the, the what i saw for myself as as an adult that dream that i had for my i were, would finally could possibly be obtainable and um you know i saw a doctor and uh it, you know i was very fortunate to be able to be in los angeles at the time where it was not difficult to find affirming care like gender affirming care um it's very different than going to a provider who's like we'll, we'll tolerate. Can you teach us everything though? You know? And, uh, and I know that's, that's been some of the experiences too, when, when seeking gender affirming care. So.
0: Kristen, I'm curious, what do you think was different for you to be able to recognize as a parent, like of a, of a toddler to know that that was your experience versus maybe like Adrian's experience 20, 30, 40 years ago? 40. When
2: he- child, Well, so Adrian and I definitely grew up at the same time. Like I'm, I'm 39. So we're like right close together there. And like, my parents would have had no clue, like what to do with yeah. this. They would have had no idea. And I wouldn't have either, but like my day job is actually with a public health consulting firm. And we do, um, like mental health, behavioral health consulting for vulnerable populations. And I knew because of the work that I had been doing that, that LGBTQ kids commit suicide at like a massively higher rate than the general population. It, it's, it is an epidemic. Like it's really horrifying. And it, it's funny, like I, so when I was pregnant, I I knew I was pregnant right away. And like a couple weeks in, I was like, I'm having a boy and a girl. And I was totally sure. And we went and we had the ultrasound and they were like, it's two boys. And I was like, no, it's not. And then they, <laughs> were born and they were like, it's a boy and a boy. And I'm like, no, it's not. And like, I just, I had a feeling from the beginning. And so when she said things like I, I, a boy on the outside, but I, a girl on the inside, I knew I had to listen to her because I had known that before. And like, my kids were early talkers, but like, this was like a sign from, <laughs> from the universe. When my kid my 2 year old looks at her barbie and says to me you know the statement so so i i had a feeling and i know what happens when you don't listen to your kids i know the risks and i said like not my fucking kid not on my fucking watch and so we just knew from the beginning that we were going to follow her lead whatever that looked like now we didn't yeah. know we we'd never knowingly known a transgender person before so like we didn't know what it was called like we didn't really know like how we would know what was going on. But when she was four, her grandmother, my mother-in-law saw um, Katie Couric's gender revolution and she watched this documentary and she texted me and she's like, you have got to watch this. And we watched it and we were like, oh, we are such idiots. Like, of course this is what's happening. (laughs) And so, you know, we just, we really had been following her lead the whole time, but like it, it it wasn't like hard and it wasn't very surprising. It was surprising that she was able to articulate it so clearly and that she knew exactly what she wanted us to, to know. But it, it wasn't it wasn't like a big lift for us to like know that we just needed to listen to her. <laughs>
1: Can I ask you, as you're going down this journey, though, were any of the fears that Adrian was talking about being internalized? Did you have any of those for your own child about society and the treatment? Do you still have those fears and quandaries? I mean, I assume. Uh,
2: Yeah, I'm pretty much terrified all the time. Um, Not because like I'm so I'm not concerned about like what her experience is going to be so much because she's so clear on who she is and like, we are her soft place to fall. And I know that we got her, but I am concerned about the world. Like she's slept over at maybe two friends houses, but like, I didn't like it. Like it, you know, it was really nerve wracking for me. And, you know, we're very careful about who those people are because you just, you don't know what's going to happen. And kids aren't really the problem. It's the adults that I'm worried about. Like we, mm-hmm. we moved to the town that we're in now from, um, and I want to like knock Florida, but we lived in Florida and it wasn't great. We had neighbors saying stuff like, why is your boy wearing pink? And like walked, like it, intently staring at us while we were walking mm-hmm. on the street and we were like, nope. And so, <laughs> So, you know, we got the hell out of Dodge and we moved to this, um, to a small mining town in the mountains of Colorado, which seems like would be like not better, but it's like so much better. Um, and it's still, it's still really scary. Like, I just, I worry about the things that like happen on the playground. I worry about the things that adults are going to say. I, you know, I grew up at a time when, um, like Laramie project was really popular and well-known and being heavily performed. You know, and like, these are the things that I think of. These are like the nightmares that I have. So like at the same time that I, you know, my kid, I know my kid's going to have an awesome life. It is scary to think that like at some point she's going to be out in the world and she's not going to be nine anymore. And it's not going to be a pandemic where it's super normal for us to never leave the house. And, you know, we're, we're going to have to find new ways to deal with some of these things.
1: So Adrian, can I ask you, I know you and I both have been on the journey of recovery when was it that you started to feel certain moments of courage, or of change, or of that you know spiritual evolution that it was time to step into who you were? I know that you know it took it up to thirty-two, but was there any certain moment that you had that you're like, "I, I got to step into this"?
3: Um. Yeah, I think the uh, the, the 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 darkness that I was surrounded by um the things that i had seen and experienced um were so just life had become so sad um but when i got this piece of information there was hope attached to that Mm -hmm. and um and i had enough courage to come out to one person it took one person to come out to and that person said I love you. And like, this is, this is amazing. I am so proud of you. And with the doctor and that affirming care, um, where none of it made me feel wrong. Um, It didn't bring it really felt that I was stepping into my truth. Mm. That day, that I started hormones, um, I made it, you know, I made the decision that that's the way that I wanted to transition was with hormones, um, was one of the happiest days of my life. And mind you, I'm still, uh, you know, I'm on a 110 milligrams of methadone at the time. Um, I have a prescription to benzodiazepines and I have a card that I can go and smoke all the weed that I want you know? And so that was my attempt at like, I'm going to be healthy. Like it's all legal. We're good. Like I'm not doing heroin in the alley anymore. Um, but there was some, There, I, I truly think that there was a piece of that where I was like, well, now that I can finally be me, I'm not going to want to do the drugs anymore. But mm-hmm. by that time I, I was already, you know, in the grips of, of addiction. Mm-hmm. And so seeking help for that, um, and I and I did, and I found a doctor who was willing to detox me, and I found a facility that said that they were affirming. Um, when I got there, though, and they actually saw that um, I had a vial of testosterone with syringes that would need to be injected weekly, they um, they told me they could I couldn't stay, um, and they they gave me the card of someplace else. And I was walking out of that door, um, and I started crying because I. I think to, to the core of me knew that I was that I may never be myself because I was going to die. Mm. And, um, with that, uh, I called them back and I made a sacrifice that no transgender person should ever have to make, but it's part of my story. Um, I decided that for the time that I would be in that rehab, I asked him, can I stop taking my hormones and be here? And they said, yes, but you're going to need to live with the women, you're going to have to go to women's AA meetings. And um, you, while you're here, you'll have to identify as a woman because that's legally what's on paper. And uh, I had nowhere else to turn. I had no other resources. So I, I, I made that sacrifice. You know, fortunately... Um, I had a lot of support within the recovery community and it says, oh, don't, don't listen to rehab. Like we know who you are. Like, just keep going, just keep going, you know, stay sober. You're going to do this. Like you're going to do this. And it was those people who lifted me up in that journey. And, uh, I was in that rehab for 60 days, moved on to a sober living. That was like, Hey, I don't care how you identify. I don't care. Where do you feel comfortable? I I, honestly, I felt comfortable in a women's house. I did not feel comfortable being around, you know, uh, alcoholic and addict men, uh, you know, who were 30, 40, 50 years old. So I did that and they said, fine, we just don't want any funny business. You, you know, your, your main priority here is to stay sober and you're, you're good to go. And I stayed in that sober living for two years, um, and on my hormones, um, completely affirming and. Yeah. Um, but I truly, truly I, I know because I'd been I've tried to get sober before, um, several times before, um, through the courts, through you know, consequences. I mean, it didn't matter. Um, the only thing that was different about this time would I is that I was authentically me mm. and I was given a solution. There was two things. There's a there's a piece to that recovery that to thine own self be true, right? That I had to be finally true to myself. And I really do feel that that is the reason that I'm sober today is because I was finally able to step into myself and say, this is my truth. And, um, and actually receive, and and accept help.
1: Mm-hmm. I want
0: to talk about transitioning because I do think that there's probably a lot of misunderstandings around transitioning. And I think there's a lot of choice that's around transition. And I think even, um, Kristen, probably with children like that are younger, like your daughter, there's probably things that might come in stages. Um, I'd love to start with you, Kristen, just to talk a little bit about like, like, the physical transition and maybe any misunderstandings or things that might help people mm-hmm. better understand.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so there's like, there's phases of transition, right. And like, Adrian, please feel free to jump in and add your experience. But the, like the first phase for our family was social transition. And so mm-hmm. she went from wearing primarily boy clothes. Cause that's what we had to like, we went out and like, we would just go fill like bags of Goodwill And like she would pick whatever she wanted and then she would wear like girl clothes. And so we started doing that at home and we had always had like a diverse mix of like toys and things, but we just didn't have clothes available because we didn't know she wanted them. So she started doing that at home, but she didn't do it when we left the house. Then she started wearing a mix of clothes when we left the house, like when she would go to like preschool or whatever, she would, you know, dress herself. And some days She would wear boy clothes and some days she would wear girl clothes. I'm doing like bigger quotes for the folks who are listening to the audio. (laughs)
1: Um,
2: (laughs) And then we left Florida before they started um, kindergarten. And when they started kindergarten, she was wearing pretty much exclusively girl clothes, but she was still using her birth name. She was still using um, male pronouns. She was still using the boy's bathroom. Halfway through kindergarten, she she said, I want to start using the girl's bathroom and I want to be she. And we said, okay, no problem. So I drove her to school that day, and I went and talked to the teacher, and I explained to the teacher she would like to, you know, use the girls' bathroom. She wants to use female pronouns. She's okay with her name, but she wants these changes. And the teacher got this like look on her face, and I said, "What's wrong?" And she said, "Well, she's been doing that for months, and I really should have called you. I guess I'm so sorry." And I was like, "No, it's fine. Like, thank you. Bye. bye." Like, you handled it clearly." (laughs) Um, So that you know, so like that, so that kind of happened in phases. When first grade came. She was, you know, exclusively using female pronouns, but still using her original name. And then halfway through first grade, she came home and said, I want this to be my name. Uh, she picked Maggie and she, you know, we, we tried it out for a little while at first. Cause you know, like six year olds changed their mind a lot. So we wanted to make sure that was the name <laughs> that was going to stick. And then we, you know, once we realized it was going to stick, then we like, Enrolled her in summer camp as Maggie. We notified the school. They changed all of her paperwork. They, they did a, a gender safety plan with us, which was like amazing and like hadn't even occurred to me to ask for, but they offered it. So that was great. Um, and then this past year, we actually went to Children's Hospital here in Den- in the Denver area. We live about two hours away to talk to um, their true center for gender diversity about what options there would be to support her, depending on what she ultimately Decides to do in terms of her like physical transition. She's made it really clear so far. And just to pause, I'll only tell you things that I know she would tell you if she were here. Yeah. Um, so like you know, but she's she's comfortable talking about these things, which is why I'm comfortable sharing them with you. Um, but she's made it very clear she does not want to go through male puberty. She's not sure what she ultimately wants to do, but she does not want to go through male puberty. So we started the process to make sure that that does not happen for her unless she decides later that that's what she wants. And one of the things that's really like confusing for people who are outside of this process is like, you are giving a nine-year-old hormonal treatment. It's like, well, actually, no, I'm not giving a nine-year-old shit. Like she's not even old enough for that stuff yet. Um, But then they're like genital mutilation. And I'm like, no. Um, So there, so there's a lot of misunderstanding about what that happens, but the process that we've looked at is um, puberty blockers, So she has time to decide what she wants while like her prefrontal cortex develops and she thinks about like the decision she wants to make for her health and what the long term, you know, implications of that are like, are you willing to take a lifelong medication? to achieve X, Y, Z result or do you want to look at something different? You know, that kind of thing. And then once she gets older, we'll just decide together like we would any other medical decision, you know, what she wants to do.
1: Mm, So it's see, people don't realize that they jump to assumptions right mm-hmm. there. And I mm-hmm. want to ask you both. And Kristen, I kind of want to start with you. How can someone best support you and your family on this journey? Because I think people are really afraid to ask that question in every kind of like vortex of life, be it sobriety, someone coming out of the closet, yeah. someone being on a transgender journey, like how, what is the best way that you can feel supported?
2: Oh, that's such a good question. I think the, I think the number one way is to just like, listen to us, like listen to what we have to say. Cause a lot of times people will come in and like, try to save us from ourselves because like, we're clearly confused or something like that. And I'm like, you know, we're actually, we're actually not, it sounds like you're confused. And do you, have some <laughs> questions? Like, you would like us to answer for you. They'll be like, well, what if she changes her mind? I'm like, then she'll have parents who supported her through this phase and parents who support her through that phase. Like, what do you actually think is the problem here? Um, so I think really just like listening to our experience and like hearing from the experts, like Mm -hmm. we are the experts on our experience. And then there are medical experts who actually have like a significant body of research on what works and what's safe and what's healthy. And we also have a significant body of research on what does not work, what is not safe and is not healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, what we're making decisions on. So like, you know, if you need resources, I will give them to you, but please don't like try to try to persuade me about something that you don't actually know. That's, I think that, you know, really just, just listening is really, really important. Mm
1: -hmm. Adrian, how about yourself as an adult? um, How can someone best, you know, support the trans community or your own journey? I sometimes feel like even bringing it up, I'm not being supportive because to me, it's, you know, yeah. you are as you are. As yeah. as I feel mm-hmm. like if I bring it up or address it like I'm being disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: And I think there's there's a, a misconception. You said something in the beginning when we were talking about intentions that really like stuck with me. That was um, it, it's like let's it, it's 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 the motive behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, James, you and I have known each other for a long time mm-hmm. now. And never have I ever felt that your motive during misunderstandings or misconceptions or questions has been ill. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it, it's always been an open and you've been, and and so it kind of goes to what Kristen was talking about, like that listening, like what makes an ally an ally? An ally is not somebody who tolerates, you yeah. know, an ally is someone who opens up their mind to, to listening, Um, and so whether that's, that's, you know, an ally, an ally to, to, to gay rights to, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I mean, anything, you know, I think it's, it's the same, the same core values in that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, and, you know, and I think the fact that, um, I think it's so amazing what really, what Christian is doing, um, and, I really applaud that, you know, um, I do have some friends who've called me because their, their children have, are, are struggling. Um, I, and you know, I've had strangers call me and they're like, okay, this is, I, I, you know, I don't know how to do this. And I've tried to explain hormone blockers, you know, it's, it's like a, like a pause button, you know, um, you stop the hormone blockers. You're going to proceed exactly the, the natural way that you would have. But if you you know, decide to go the other way. Do You know how much trauma I would have avoided, like not growing breasts or having a period. Like, I mean, I I would have avoided so much anguish, like internal struggle and anguish. I, you know, I may have never tried to kill myself at eleven years old. And, um, you know, and so I, I I just I applaud that, and it takes so much strength and courage, and and being a parent. My God! Like parenting is probably the scariest thing I've ever
2: experienced in my life. Are you terrifying. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then adding that into it in the mix. Yeah, yeah. it's um. It's interesting. Like I, I agree with James that like, I oftentimes want to just like honor someone for who they are and not just be like, Oh, well you are a trans man. Or it's was just like, you're a man. Yeah. And I, I do feel the same way because, um, and I did ask permission of my sister, but you know, we have, you know, a close friend and, um, Kai who is my sister Morgan's boyfriend. But I, I asked them both. I was like, Hey, can we are, uh, is it okay? I know this is your story. Like I know that Kai is like very open and celebrating his journey, but like, are you comfortable with it? Because I always would tell my sister that I'm like, Hey, when we go to family events, like I know that you guys are proud of it, but you don't, I don't think that you should have to feel like you need to go tell everybody as if it's something that they need to know about, because I feel like that's your journey and that's your business. And I don't, I I would really like to get to a place where no one has to make any kind of like announcement that they are, Mm -hmm. you know, different from other people. And I, I can't really explain, um, why I feel really protective over that, but I I have always, I think maybe just our friendship with um, Kai that I I always am feeling a little bit on guard and protective, you know, in the family situations, but at the same time, like, I know that he's a grown man. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else that maybe we should know or understand just to like be better, like more awake human beings that you could share on that? Any other
3: perspectives? I think it's uh, important to understand that not all trans experience is the same, you know, just like not all human experience is Mm -hmm. the same, you know, um, I, for, for me during my transition before you know, the, the, the hormones and I, you know, it was very evident that, uh, you know, society still saw me as, as a woman, um, then I began to be, you know, get these more structured chiseled features that I became. And, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to the gas station and uh, have a great day, sir. And it's like, wow, Oh my God, that's, that feels good. You know? Um, and then I did go through a period where even in the community and it's in, especially in the recovery community, mm-hmm. there was this like, that's Adrian. Oh, that's the trans guy. That's yeah. the trans guy. Wow. You know, And I was like, I got really frustrated at a point because it was like, I don't want, I'm just, I'm just a guy. Like I'm just a guy, you know? Um, however, through my own journey too, um, it, it was about for, for me, like I've made the decision to be available and out and outspoken about my trans experience. I am a man, you know? Um, and I, But my experience, there's so much like so much altruism packed into that experience that when I get that phone call from a stranger or somebody in recovery saying, hey, I don't know who to talk to about this experience and I'm struggling, you know, then I'm like, you know what? I love that I'm Adrian, the transgender guy. But that's my experience. Not everybody is going to have that experience. Yeah. You know, um, of course, you put me in front of, you know, my 90 year old grandparents from South America. I, it's a, it's a little, still a little scary. <sighs> so.
1: Well, I, I kind of want to broach something that I've had conversations with people in my own life that are kind of ignorant to it where they're saying like, Oh, look at society. Like we're turning people, transgender and blah, yeah. blah, 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 and the nullification of people. But what I want to point out is people have struggle with being in the wrong shell all throughout history. Mm -hmm. And we're just finally at a point in the world where we have the worldwide web. People can now share their experience and know they're not alone. It's not that like we're society's turning people transgender. It's, you know, the lid is finally off the jar and people can finally step into their truth. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, you know, the sissifying of society. And I hate even using that term. I use air quotes, by the way. But like I get a lot of people saying that society is turning everyone into this. And it's like the snowflake effect. And the truth is, if you look throughout history and if you actually read, you know, poets or stories of authors or actors throughout history, the transgender people have always been there. But it's finally they feel empowered to step into their truth. And like Adrian was sharing, I know Adrian very well, like a lot of people died you know, not living their truth from suicide or from addiction. And it's about time that we stop making people live that stigma because we don't understand it. Mm. So I'm sorry, I got my soapbox about it, but have you guys had that experience where people are like, Oh, you know, this isn't how you really feel or it's a mental disorder or any of that. Yeah. Yeah. We've,
2: we've, we've come up on this a lot. And I don't want to say most of the time, many times it's well-meaning, like people mm-hmm. don't understand. And they really just want to make sure that like, we're not like imposing some like preference or something on our child. Um, but like, like, I like, I can't get my kids to like clean their rooms. I can't get them to like, remember to feed the dog. How do you think I'm going to get a child who is not <laughs> transgender to live? as the opposite gender from their identity. If I can't even get them to like brush their teeth, like, come on, like, that's just not, <laughs> it's, it is a thing that comes up though. And a lot of times, um, you know, we, we've definitely had some close relationships that we have had to um, shift and even end because folks really were like, well, you're, you know, this is irresponsible parenting or this is disgusting that you're doing this to your child. And like, they just don't get it. And it's not my job to teach them, right? Mm-hmm. Like if someone sincerely wants to learn, I'm I'm here for that. But if you don't want to learn and you just want to be, you know, hold on to that belief, like you're certainly welcome to do that, but you're welcome to do that away from me and my family. And so that's definitely something that, you know, has been challenging. And it comes from a lot of like misunderstanding about, you know, th- like this is not new. There have been transgender people throughout history in every mm-hmm. culture around the world. And in, in other cultures, they are often treated a lot differently from how they're treated in, in typical Western culture. Mm-hmm. And it's time for us to stop pretending like trans people don't exist everywhere because it's simply not true.
1: Yes, girls. So, Adrienne, yes. uh, Asha yes. just pulled up a question from Christina. How did your family react? Did you ever experience negativity? And how did you deal with it?
3: Um, My family, so... My immediate family, I have um, two brothers, a sister, uh, a stepfather, a father, a mother. Um, So the first person I actually came out to within my family was um, my biological father. And um, he, he, I did not, it was not received well. Um, My father was born in South America, a very um, kind of machismo culture. Um, I am my father's only child. Um, I had been on drugs for many, many years. um, And my father's response was uh, basically, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're on drugs again. Um, Mm. You know, you're you're not thinking correctly. Um, And that his perception now has changed dramatically now that he sees just how happy I am you know, uh, he, he does. And, uh, it's taken him some time, you know, I, even years to really get the, the pronouns down. And, and, and here, you know, I mean, he's been my father my entire life, you know, so that's, I, and the way that I dealt with that was I, I tried to extend some patience with him or the way in my response to him. Um, so if he'd be like, Oh, my, my daughter, and I was like, your son formerly known as your daughter. Um, <laughs> right? um, and so, or if you would, um, you know, use, use my dead name, um, dead name was the the name I was assigned at birth. Um, I, you know, say, you know, dead name, formerly, formerly known as, you know, Adrian formerly known as, um, and really try. And then it got to a point one day where I was growing in facial hair and he misgendered me in public. And I go, you do realize that you're the one who looks crazy now, right?
1: Because <laughs> nobody's thinking That's a way, good way to cut that shit. Yes.
3: <laughs> yeah. And uh and he, you know, he's come a long way in his own journey. And I think, you know, Kristen might be able to speak to this. Um, the 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 experience of the parent is their own journey. You know, they have their own emotions and things attached to that. Um, but the next person I came down to was my younger brother who was like, cool, I got, I got another brother. Oh, um, my sister, um, cried and, um, kind of reminded me when Kristen was talking earlier because her immediate reaction was I'm crying because I'm so happy for you, but I'm terrified that somebody's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, my stepfather was the next person I came. He's raised me since I was, uh, three years old. And, uh, his, uh, his response was this, this completely makes sense. He's like, absolutely. Yes. Yes. It all makes sense now. Um, and then my mother, um, I basically kind of just, uh, the voice was changing. She's like, oh, you're sick again. I was like, mom, I got to tell you something. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I told her I kind of dropped it. I said, we don't got to talk about it. Just sit with it, marinate it. I know you need some time. she called and now my mom calls me and uh she's an esthetician and some of her clients are trans women and she calls me so excited to be able to connect with her clients like that on just some deep like empathetic level and she she loves that you know so i've i've been very very fortunate in that um so i haven't had to have deal with too too much uh too much negative I mean in the in society and in community yes that's different mm. but within my family mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate
0: Kristen would you say that there's specific areas that you've really grown in like having to deal with some things that maybe the average mom wouldn't have to deal
2: with um that's a good question I I it's kind of interesting so like just like Adrian was saying like every trans person's experience is different every Parent of a trans person is going to have a different experience. It hasn't actually been that hard for us. Like it hasn't been a huge shift. It we haven't, you know, there's been some stuff that we've had to sort of like, well, what do we do? How do we how do we support her? Like, what's the right thing? What options do we give her? You know, so many so them. We're like, well, we don't actually have to figure that out. There's like people who know that we can just call and ask for advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think what has been, um. I think what has been kind of challenging for me is that I've had to be a lot more, um, more of like a bold advocate because I, first of all, I have a daughter and I want her to know how to use her voice and to know how to protect herself and to know how to advocate for what she needs. But also I realize that like my son needs that too. And he needs to see his parents like speaking up. He needs to learn how to speak up himself. He needs to learn how to not take no for an answer when it's something that is really necessary. And so things like, you know, really enforcing people using her pronouns or correcting people when they misgender her um, and introducing her or like using her original name. Like I've had to really um, learn how to be brave and learn how to be bold for my kids so she can see that that's normal and that can be her experience as a woman in the world as well. Um, so that, that has been, you know, that, that has been rough for me um, in a way that I didn't anticipate. Cause I, I've, you know, I like never shut up. Like, it's not like I have a hard time, like saying what's on my mind, but like <laughs> knowing that like people were going to have to be really like stretched by what I was sharing. Um, and that I was going to have to hold that line, even when it was uncomfortable for all of us, like that, that, that took some growth for sure. Really was that question.
0: This question, nice. there's another question that's popping in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't sure exactly what it was in, Reference to. Did you understand
1: what this was in reference to? Well, let's see if if our guests can run with it. So the question is, I love this idea of stepping into who you are. Can you talk about where you found found slash find support to sit with and step into the associated risk uh, with stepping in? So, uh, my, what I get from this is, you know, where do you find your support when there are the risks for, you know, the bashings, the murder, the mis you know, the misconstrued ideas of the transgender community, where have you found your support outside of like your close knit family is what I'm taking away from it.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, James, at, uh, during this, you had said you'd actually said, um, when you stepped in, you know, stepped into yourself, mm-hmm. um, okay. And so i'm i'm thinking that that's what that um
0: is reference is in
3: reference, yeah. in reference okay. to um like i i i did you know it was it, it really was about finding one safe person you know and i'd have never felt safe in my entire life so i think in in taking that risk alone um that i i knew to to with every fiber of my being that this person was not going to judge me um, and so saying it there, you know, and just sitting with it right with that one person, like for for actually for like months, nobody really nobody else really knew, except that one person. But that one person allowed me to sit with the courage to reach out and tell another person um, about mm-hmm. my truth. And every time I do, yes, there is associated risks with mm-hmm. that. But there's also associated risks with me not living my truth, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, and that, and, and for me, the internal conflict, um, is, you know, it outweighs the risk of, you know, stepping into society and saying, this is who I am. You know, I would rather be who I am, live my truth, be able to be happy and wholeheartedly myself for not only me, but my community, my daughter and my partner. Um, then I would want to go back to where I was. I would I would never want to ever neither myself or anyone else have to experience that.
1: Mm, I love that. Kristen, have you found any outside support, any kind of group or anything that's really making you feel that community vibe from the journey you're on?
2: You know, people ask me that a lot and actually not really. Um, there are a couple of um, of other moms of trans kids that I follow on Facebook, like two or three, um, because I just enjoy like seeing their kids grow up and like they're cool moms. Um, but it, it hasn't necessarily been something that like we've sought a lot of support for other than the medical support. Um, and I think it's a little bit of a different experience because she it happened when she was so young. This is just how it's always been for us. Mm-hmm. And there have been some things that like, you know, it's like it, when she thinks back on like her childhood, I don't think she's, I'll ask her about this later, but I don't think she's going to have like a coming out moment. Cause like, this is just who she was, right? Like she was just mm-hmm. reporting the news. Um, and we were like, oh, okay, that's the news. So that's, you know, there's going to be so many different phases of her life where she's stepping into like the new, um, part of who she is. But like, this, is this is just how it's pretty much always been for us. Where I do, um, you know, notice that sometimes like I get stopped and I have to think about, you know, sometimes I will ask other moms for how you, how you communicate about things is like, I uh, like every single time sex comes up, which is kind of a lot because they're nine and they're starting to like notice things. I am like, I cannot explain this the way that this was explained to me in health class. So instead of saying like, even like male condoms and female condoms, we're like learning how to talk about like internal condoms and external condoms. And like people with the uterus, people with the penis, people with the vagina. And then, you know, the whole idea of like, you know, intersex people. I'm like, I like my brain is like blown. And so we read a lot of books together because like that, that is an area where like I definitely need some support. And we're lucky enough to have some friends who are sex educators who have been supportive for that. But I'd say like that's been the biggest area that I like butt up against like my own limitations in like my knowledge and like my life experience that my brain has to like reorganize so I can give her and and my son as well like information for both of them that like wherever they land on like what that part of their life looks like like they have support and accurate content. So if anyone has resources and you want to share them yeah. I will take them. <laughs> <laughs> I realize that
0: it's almost Six o'clock, where we're at as well, and so I feel like we could just probably keep asking you a million questions and hanging out with you guys all night. We do have our cacao ceremony yep. in thirty time minutes, so we're hanging. <laughs> and so, I think I just I I feel like we're cutting it off abruptly because usually we have like a little like chat and we like talk about it, but we just kept we were very selfish with your time. But thank you. <laughs> I just would love to have both of you in here for like different topics and different things, because I know as a coach, Kristen, there's probably a lot of things we'd love to pick your brain about. And Adrian, mm-hmm. there was so many different directions, like of like the <laughs> spiritual nature that sometimes you and I have gotten into that. Mm-hmm. I would also love to have in mm-hmm. podcast form. So Thank you very much. I know, Kristen, um, you have a business that we wanted to drop the link for. Can you tell people how they can stay connected with you if they're curious about working with you or finding out anything more?
2: Yes, absolutely. So, I am a life coach. I work um, predominantly with women who are looking for something more in their life, who want to step into their authentic selves. So, if that's you or if you want to support someone who's doing that, definitely reach out to me. Um, Solange just put the link to my website in the comments. It is altitudeadjustmentcoaching.com. And you can also find me on Facebook as Kristen Scove King, just like it says in the show notes. And I would love to hear from you.
0: That's right. We will put that in the show notes. She's right about that. <laughs> you, I thought you told me you were. So
2: sorry, I'm not trying to write a, uh, write a check. You're no, to as perfect. <laughs> You're
0: just so on it. And Adrian, is there anything that you would want to share? Because I know that you are very mysterious on social <laughs> media these days. I am.
3: I, I am very mysterious on social media. In fact, I've deactivated all my social media because I'm so just don't trying try to fucking more...
0: contact him. Okay, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. no. If, <laughs> if you do
3: need to, you know, if you want to contact me or you know somebody who might benefit from a conversation or you have questions. Um, I would say reach out to Ashley and James, and get they know how to get into contact with me.
1: So, again, um, real quick, sorry to interrupt you, but I do want to ask you this: anyone that is struggling with addiction that is also on the transgender journey, do you know of resources now where they're not going to have the same experience you mm-hmm. had? Good okay, question. Yes, yes. Um,
3: so. Uh, unfortunately, some of the facilities have have, have closed. Um, however, there are um, there are different facilities. And again, um, without dropping those names, I'd have to talk to them first. Reach out to Ashley and James. Um, I am able to connect you with that. Um, we have started some um, sexuality and gender acceptance Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Mm. There is a, an amazing website called gayandsober.org that has meetings for the lgbtq plus community throughout the world but uh literally anywhere um gayandsober.org i find a lot of great meetings through that um our meetings are are on there as well um but you use the google machine um, there are so many so many resources out there um trevor project for adolescents mm-hmm. struggling with uh you know suicide mm-hmm. awareness um if if You know, there's new companies coming out who uh, like like Plume and Folks, um, P-L-U-M-E, where they're doing gender affirming care, but telehealth, you know, and I think they're set up now in like 12, 13. They're Denver based, but their their goal is to be in every every state in the United States for the person who is in podoc florida can jump on telehealth and get (laughs) that affirming care right so um and and to have those questions i know they're trying to expand it's still startup so there are a ton of resources out there um Mm -hmm. you know look at your local lgbt centers um sometimes they're a little limited but they will be able to point you in the right direction
1: Thank you so much for spending this hour with us, you guys. Like, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. And I love you both very much for sharing your truth with us.
0: Thank you both so much. Thank you. Yeah.
1: you. It's so nice
2: to meet you guys. Adrienne, I adore you. <laughs> Likewise.
3: Uh, I'm going to have to hook up with you because we're supposed to be moving to Denver in July or something
2: like no. that. No. Oh, right. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you tell okay. Us <laughs> I have On the I have podcast. podcast. No. Well, well, now we have a reason to come too. visit both of you, then. <laughs> we'll come visit both yes.
2: of you. <laughs> oh my God. All right. We have to plan this. We can like do the next episode in person in the Denver area. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love it. Bye
3: everybody. You so <laughs> Bye guys. Bye.
2: Bye.